Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. Oh, it's awesome. Hey, it's been immense since I've had the opportunity to preach, but you know what? I'm excited this morning. Um, I'm excited. I'm expectant this morning to be able to bring the word because it's been a while. So here's the deal. Here's my rule. It's $3 for every amen. It's $5 for every hallelujah. Mandy will pay you at the end of service. Amen. Yeah. All right. Hallelujah. Man, I've got... Baby, you got to help you brought your checkbook. Hey, we kicked off a series last week titled Kingdom Worship, where over the course of the summer, we're going to divulge in on what true kingdom worship is, what it looks like, what it's not, and what our responsibilities and engagement looks like as followers of Christ. So we're going to break down some perceptions and some misconceptions of what and how we view worship, because there's an expectation from our king to what kingdom culture and what kingdom worship looks like. Amen? And he chooses and allows us to play a vital role in that. And we learned last week from Pastor Mark that it starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. He told us that worship isn't about just what takes place on the outside, but it's what true worship takes place from within. That every single moment of every day exists an opportunity for us to worship our Lord. So this morning, I want to start off where Pastor Mark left off. And he read a verse from Matthew 15, and it says this. This is where Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah. And he's he's saying this to the religious leaders of the time. And it states this, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship in vain, and their teachings are merely human rules. You see, Jesus criticizes the Pharisees by saying, you know a lot about God, but you don't know God. He says, you you speak one way and you proclaim to know who God is, but you act completely different. He's saying you simply just voice words that hold no weight because your hearts are misguided and insincere. You see, we can attend a service. We can profess to know God. We can profess to know Jesus. We can, we can profess that from our lips. We can even sing songs on a screen. But if our hearts are far from him, then our worship is meaningless, yeah. right? And I know that's a little harsh this morning, but that's exactly what Christ is telling the religious leaders of that time. The very ones who claimed that they knew who God was. Jesus came to expose the truth, right? Yeah. And we're to worship in spirit and in Okay, and Pastor Mark already used this verse last week, but I believe it holds weight and it's worth repeating. And in Romans 12:1, it states this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, because this is your true and proper worship. It's not enough to simply act religiously, church. It's not sufficient enough to just know about God. Our hearts and our attitudes must come from a place of true sincerity. And that can only be achieved whenever Christ is made the center of the entirety of our lives. Because it's not until we comprehend the magnitude of Christ's love and sacrifice in our own lives that we'll fully understand and receive a desire for true worship. Because here's the truth. 
We all worship something. Amen? We all worship something. And that's the way that God created us. He created us so that we would worship. So someone or something is receiving our adoration. So my question to you this morning is who or what do you worship? Who or what is receiving your adoration? And even the great Bob Dylan recognized this. After every chorus of his song, Gotta Serve Somebody, he sings the phrase, it might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. Right? Now, most of us in here assuredly would say that we don't serve the devil, right? At least I hope that's the case. And if not, I'm changing this sermon right now. (laughs) There goes another $5. And I'm confident to say that most of us in here would probably say and proclaim that we serve Jesus, right? Come on, Martha's in it. Come on. But listen, if we proclaim that we serve God and we proclaim that we serve Jesus, does our perception of what worship is align with Jesus's desire to be worshiped? And through this series, we're going to go, we're going to crack open our hearts and our minds and develop an understanding of what God desires true worship to be. Okay? So today I want to focus on some things that we have exchanged for worship. You guys ready? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. We're thankful, thankful for this, the chance to even be chosen to come into your house this morning. God, your spirit's already here. We can feel it in the worship and the praise. Um, Lord, just I pray that it's just not based on emotions, but that every single heart that's represented here today, Lord, leaves with an understanding of what it's truly about, and that's you. And God, you don't need us to worship, but God, you desire and you crave our worship. And we're giving you this moment right now, these next few minutes, Father, I pray that you break open our hearts, that the traditions that we've established, that our own thoughts, our own views, our own perceptions, even our misconceptions of what we've made you to be are completely torn down. And God, that we realize who you are in our lives and that we just give you the ultimate glory and all the praise because Lord, you are worthy of it all. Have your way in this place this morning and we give you all the honor. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, if you brought your Bible with you this morning, turn to the book of Romans chapter 1. And while you do that, I will give you a little bit of contextual background, as Pastor Mark likes to say. (laughs) Now, Paul is revealing, um, now Paul's he's in Rome, and he's preaching to the diverse church that's in Rome, revealing the gospel of Jesus. And he's not only preaching to the believers there, but he's also preaching to the the ones who have been established. Paul wasn't the one to establish the church in Rome. Some, Some missionaries had gone before and established a church there. So there are Jewish believers inside the city of Rome, and Paul always longed to get to Rome to be able to preach the gospel and to be able to commune with the believers there. So he's not only preaching to the religious leaders of that time, but he's also preaching to the new believers. And he's, he, he's tearing down the misconceptions that they have and the beliefs that they have about God and how they've exchanged their religious intelligence and beliefs with their own forms of worship and ideologies of who they think God is. And they've stopped honoring God and they've put their own desires and their own self-made idols as priority, and they're worshiping those above God. 
And Paul tells him it's simply not enough to just hear the gospel and know the gospel. You have to let it transform your entire life and let God impact in every area and aspect of your life. It has to be transformed. It has to start within your heart and then be transformed, amen, because that is the true form of worship. So let's pick up in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. And it says, yes, they knew God, but they didn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. That sound a little familiar like our society today? And as a result of this, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. How many wise in here? Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. These intelligent, educated people who once believed in the sovereignty and holiness of God have disregarded God. And they put things that they've made in place of who he is. So rather than worship him as the creator, they're actually worshiping the things that God created. And first they reject God. Then they choose not to worship him. Even to the point where they became ungrateful for all he had done for them. Not only that, they begin to make up their own ideas of what a God should be and do for them. And then they develop a culture and a society that eventually follows. And I can't help but think at this time and age that we are no different than they are. Some of you are thinking, man, that's crazy. I can't believe that they're actually doing something like that. But the truth is, we are that society. People that literally have claimed to know the sovereignty of God, and we have ignored that. We have become ungrateful. We have forgotten about that, and instead we have replaced God with man-made idols and our own ideas, our own ideologies, our own beliefs, our own selfless desires of what we think a God should look like and a God should do for us. Now, I know most of you aren't going home and carving idols and stones, right? and worshiping statues, and if you are, stop it. <laughs> but what this verse is saying is that they've replaced or exchanged something they value, and they put it over God, Amen. the one true God, the one who gave us life. And that may sound crazy, but I got to ask you, church, what is it right now that you're prioritizing in your life, or what's something that you've made, or what do you idolize? Is there any priority in your life at this moment greater than God? And it's easy to say no, right? Because that's what we're supposed to do. Listen, the Roman people, it says, yes, they knew God, but they had forgotten who God was. And they refused to give him thanks and honor and worship. So if they weren't doing that, then something else that they had made or something else that they acquired became their worship. And I think for a lot of us, sometimes we have the same sense. Our society is the exact same, right? We come in this place and we begin to know who God is. We hear about God and it's easy to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I worship the one true God. Yes, God, but do we give him all of our worship? Or is there something in your life that you have prioritized and put it above God? Maybe it's money. 
Maybe it's stature, maybe it's goals, maybe it's vehicle, maybe it's a house. You know what? It might even be your spouse. Listen, I'm not saying any of those things are wrong to acquire. That's just fine. But when they become your idol and you put it above God, you're not giving God your true worship. Okay? Some of you might not even realize that you've exchanged something for your worship and you've replaced it and you've put God second. But when your heart's desire is set on possessions, social status, money, etc., whatever you want to call it, then your worship tends to shift towards attaining those things, right? And they become man-made gods in your life. And then we begin to exalt them and worship them because they literally consume our time and our thought and our focus and our desire and our passion and our energy. And we expend everything we have into attaining those. Worship is this. Worship is defined as showing love or adoration for something. Love or adoration for something. So whatever we worship... We become obsessed with, right? And whatever we become obsessed with, we begin to imitate. And whatever we begin to imitate, we eventually become. The Bible defines worship like this. It's the giving of our entire self, our thoughts, and our emotions to God's use. You see, all of life is an act of submission. It's an act of worship. And our service to God is not centered on a time or a temple. But just like we learned last week, it's done whenever and wherever we are because ultimately we are the temple of God, right? And every moment of every day exists this opportunity that we have to be able to glorify our one true king. Amen? Amen. Remember, Christ came to redefine and renew our worship. God doesn't force us to worship him. He desires that we do, and he doesn't reign and rule over us demanding that we do, but he gives us the freedom to choose who and what we will worship. We were sitting here praising this morning, and I'm literally just thinking, God, that's all you desire. You don't require us to do it. You just want us to do it. And ultimately, church, this is the thing. God has everything he could ever want and need. He's the creator of the universe. He doesn't need it. But it's the one thing that he gave to us to be able to give back to him. And ultimately, that is literally the only thing that we can offer our creator is our worship. That's the only, I'm sitting here thinking like, God, I got nothing else to give you other than my worship. And Maria can't even finish the song because she's so taken back by the Spirit. And all she has the ability to do is like, God, all I have is the gift that you've given inside of me. And I just want to give it back to you in the fullness that you deserve it. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't demand that we do. But he loves when we worship him. And he loves when we come to him. And he loves when we exalt him. Every human being will worship and serve someone or something. And listen to me. Those who choose not to or refuse not to serve the one true God will end up serving a false one. So I'm going to look at a few examples this morning of what we have exchanged for our worship. Something that we've taken and replaced it with our worship. And the first one this morning is pride. And here's where I lose all the men in the room. 
It's all right. Go ahead. Sit back in your chair. Cross your arms. I see you. Yeah. Peyton just uncrosses his arms. It's all right. But what is it about that word when I bring that up that this makes men even more prideful? Right? It's like, hmm, yeah, well, that's all right. At least I got my pride. Okay. Knowing that we, hey, here's the deal. We hear that word and we instantly become more prideful. Because you know what? Deep down, we know we shouldn't be, right? Deep down, we know it's wrong to be prideful, right? But yet we choose to do it anyway. Because you're all a bunch of stubborn butts is what you guys are. <laughs> I'm talking to the men in here. <laughs> and all the women said amen, right? But listen, we're taught to worship God, right? Would you guys agree? We're taught to worship God. The Bible instructs us. The church instructs us. We read it. The Bible teaches us that we are to worship God. So when we make a decision not to, we're being disobedient or prideful. Would you agree? Do you agree that that's right? Good. If you agree, then uncross your arms, sit up straight, and listen to what I got to say. Pride is a man-made idol. It's something that society teaches us. And ultimately what it is, it's us valuing our opinion or the opinions of others rather than submission to God. Ooh. It's us being disobedient, taking it upon ourselves because we know better than the very one who created us. Mm. It's us, huh? I'll say it again. It's exactly right. It's a man-made idol. It's thinking you know better than your father does. It's blatant disobedience, and it's us acknowledging and celebrating ourselves, even taking credit for something that God provided it's us knowing what we should be doing or what we should do, but choosing not to based on our desires and our feelings. We just read this. I'm going to read it again. Romans 1 verse 21 says this, For although they knew God, say they knew God, but they neither glorified Him nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile. It became incapable. It became ineffective and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's all right. I'm still going to be prideful. At least I got my pride, right? Right? Even hearing that we're capable, incapable, and ineffective, some of us will still choose to exchange our worship for pride because it makes us feel good. That's exactly opposite of what the Bible teaches us, right? Because the Word says those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen? Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. James says he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And even though we are taught and instructed, even though we are educated just like the Roman religious leaders, we still choose to prioritize our pride, even to the point of putting it above God and his commands. Let's just take praise and worship, for example. Yeah, I told you, this series, we're going to break down traditions and ideologies and theologies and whether your hymns are good and whether praise and worship is good and this whole big debauchery of, of all this intermingling and junk that goes on with all these churches around the nation. So we're just going to take praise and worship, for example. Because I told you, this, this, this series is going to expose what true worship is. Music is an expression of worship. It's not the origination, okay? 
but we have the ability to sing praises to our God. So music is an expression of worship. That makes sense? It's an act of praise. It's declaring with our mouth and glorifying and exalting our creator. It's us showing our gratitude, our loyalty, and adoration to our Father. So it's so much more than just words, church. But sometimes we will even allow pride to hinder us from singing a song that's supposed to glorify our creator, that's supposed to exalt our king. But just because we don't like it, or because we don't know it, or because it's new, or because it's not our personality, or because it doesn't make us feel uncomfortable, or because we just blatantly don't want to, we choose not to. Now, come on. Kyla, get ready. Because, listen, I have seen some of y'all's personality. I've watched TikTok videos. I've seen social media, and social media don't lie, church. I've seen you at the club. I've seen you at the party. I've seen you at the concerts, right? I know y'all like it, right? Yeah, hit it. Go ahead. Hit it. She going to hit it? It's not even going to work, is it? See, I told you this wasn't even going to work, was it? It didn't even work. It's not loud enough, is it? It didn't go the way I wanted it to go, but here's, here's the truth, because I know Kelsey was getting ready to get moved, and she was getting ready to get up and dance, and Chris was holding her down, but here's the truth, church. I was going to do this big hitch dance, man. You, here's the deal. You got to come back from second service, because we didn't know how that was going to go, so you got to come back from second service, and uh, yeah, anyway, that was a total epic fail, but that's just part of it sometimes. Don't tell Pastor Mark I played Usher from church. I mean, just... <laughs> Like, it didn't go the way I wanted to, but here's the deal. Not because I'm going to get in trouble, because we do not need him relapsing and going back to rap music. But, but listen, I know y'all have seen Hitch, you know, where he does all that, you know, the deal. And he does the, you know, the pizza and, you know. I was going to do the whole Hitch dance and all that. Y'all missed out. So come back second service and y'all can videotape it. Oh, Lord, help me. We need help, Jesus. I got first-time guests. Like, get your purse. They're playing Ursher at that church. Ursher. They're playing Ursher there. We're never going back. <laughs> Bailey told me before we started service that she had heard somebody on Facebook say something about, oh, we need to go to Destiny Church because it's, it's like a club, right? They had the lights flashing and all that. I'm like, oh, great. That's a really good time for me to put that little skit in there. But here's the deal. Don't act like y'all don't know every single word to that song, right? Yeah. Because it was supposed to play for about 10 seconds and I was going to go and everybody's going to go, yeah. Because all you guys are over here shoulder dancing and shrugging and listen, We'll, we'll rock out to that. First time guess, I apologize. We do not play Usher here at church. I promise you. Um, except for when Mark's gone. But you know what? Something I thought about, and this is just because it's my old age and because I don't like it, but we'll, we'll, we'll stink and do that haze machine, right? And like I'll walk in here, and I'm, I'm 42, so I'll, at times I'm going, turn that stupid thing off. I can't see. I can't breathe. I hate it. drives me crazy or whatever. You got loud lights, and the music bumps you drive by. Listen. Everything in this worship center is giving glory and praise to our Father. Amen? Everything has the ability to be able to glorify Him. And I know you guys have the ability too, so don't say it's not your personality. Don't say it's not your style because God created you to worship. Amen? He created you with that purpose, with that ability to get out of your comfort zone. Why is it comfortable to sing it at the club and dance like a fool, but we come into a church service and we're reserved with the fact of, hey, we can't come in here and glorify our king because it's not our style. 
He created you in his likeness and in his image to be able to commune with him as one, right? So it should be natural for us to cling to our Father and be able to sing a song and to be able to glorify him, right? But we let pride stop us from doing that, and that's blatant disobedience. I don't even know where I'm at. People up here talking about playing Ursher. <sighs> Listen, our praise isn't based on our feelings our personality or our emotions or even our style. Our praise is to lift and glorify the name above all names. Amen? Amen. Psalms 145.1 says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. And I love what Louis Giglio says. He says he doesn't need our worship. He doesn't even need our worship. He's the creator of the universe, but he desires it. He can't be any more worthy than he already is. And he commands us to worship him because to do so is the most loving thing he can possibly do. And yet so many of us are more concerned about what someone else will think or our own likes, our own desires, or whether they act like a club or they don't act like a club than what God will think. And I just want to say this. Worship is more than just singing, church. True worship is the acknowledgement of God and all his power and all his glory in every single thing that we do. But he still does desire for us to sing, okay? Even if it is Usher. Hey, church, he's worthy. He's worthy of it all. Something else that we've exchanged for worship is self-gratification. We've exchanged self-gratification, or we've exchanged worship for self-gratification. So whatever you value the most, whatever is priority in your life, will determine your worship and the condition of your heart. So if it's your dreams, your desires, your finances, your achievements, your wants, then that ultimately becomes your worship, right? And culture tells us, do whatever makes you feel good. Go for it, no matter what the cost is. Don't worry about anyone else. Don't matter about anybody else other than you because you're deserving, you're entitled. Don't worry about your morals. Rely on your emotions. Don't worry about what anybody else says other than the fact of how you feel. This is sad. Society even encourages and accepts the fact that we possess our own ability to change our identity. So you know what? If you feel like being a cat today, just be a cat. That's the sad truth. And listen, God created us to feel. He created us with feelings and emotions, but not to satisfy the desire of our hearts with, but to be able to feel his love, to be able to feel his presence, to be able to be emotionally drawn into somebody in oneness. And I'm gonna say this, your identity is found nothing other than in the blood of Jesus Christ, amen? Because you were bought, you were loved, and you were created with a price. And nobody, no society, or nobody else will ever change that. Come on, I'm going, Martha. Hey, we are kingdom-minded believers. We're not world culture followers. We're to honor God in all that we are and all that we do at all times because every minute of every day exists this opportunity for us to magnify our Father not just when we feel like it, because he's worthy of our praise at all times because of who he is and because of what he's done. 
Hebrews 13, 15 says, therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of the lips that openly profess his name, that openly profess the name of Jesus, right there is telling us, listen, sing songs to me, glorify the name, do it continually. That means nonstop. But this, this can only be attained when we acquire a true understanding of who he really is. And it also takes sacrifice. It's us denying our fleshly desires. Because Romans 8, 5 says, those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mindset on what the spirit desires. So it's only when we deny ourselves and our spirit is in line with his that we're able to bring our full form of worship to him. Amen? You guys good? Still with me? Something else that we've exchanged our worship for is spectating. I want to read a story real quick. So in 2016, Malcolm Perry, he was a freshman on the roster for the Navy football team as their fourth string quarterback, okay? Malcolm wasn't even on the field the day they played Fordham University. As a matter of fact, he was with the rest of his shipman brigade sitting up in the stands wearing his Navy uniform whites, right? He wasn't even on the field, but he was listed on the roster. Now, Navy's starting quarterback was injured in the first half, and it just so happened the third-string quarterback had been suspended that week. So that left the second-string quarterback in the second quarter of the football game on the field with no backup whatsoever. Coaches had no choice but to literally call Perry down from the stands to come in and stand on the sidelines. And then I mentioned he didn't even bring his stuff to the game. He didn't have his jersey, his equipment, or anything with him because he didn't expect to play. He was just a spectator, Right? They had to send somebody back to the Naval Academy, to the Navy's locker room, to get his jersey and his pads, and check this out. By the fourth quarter, guess where he was at? He was on the field in the game playing. Malcolm Perry realized firsthand the difference between sitting in the stands as a spectator watching something and actually being led down onto the field and becoming a participator. David Manor says this. He says, a spectator is someone who attends or watches an event or a game as an onlooker, an observer, or a member of an audience. A spectator could be a fan or a foe, depending on who is playing and what is being played. And spectators sometimes assume they are in the game just because they're in the stands. And a participator is someone who is engaged in, involved in, or contributing to an event or a game. A participator is one who invests in, takes part in, and shares in. And participators are really in the game because they're actually on the field. And strangely, in the midst of our spectatorship, we have come to believe that we are truly part of something just because we attended. In our, in our strangeness here of spectatorship or what our, 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 our own thoughts and theories are is the fact that we actually think that we are a part of something just because we went and watched it or because we attended a church service. Just like in 2020 when we finally won the Super Bowl. Amen? Yeah. Come on. We won. We did it. All my, all my Chiefs fans know what I'm talking about, right? 
high-fiving, screaming, crying. Yeah, I cried. I'm not even going to lie. My man has admitted it. I cried. It's okay. But you know, long how, you know how long I've waited? You know how long I've watched? You know how many games I attended? But praise Jesus, we finally did it, right? Listen, we had nothing to do with it. I didn't play on the field. I wasn't in the game. I was sitting there watching it. But yet, just because I watched it, I believe that I experienced it, right? Craig and I were talking. We were crying back and forth on the phone. It's been 50 years! We did it! And we'll show excitement for that, but we automatically assume that just because I'm a fan that I experienced, right? Just because I had the ability to watch it, I'm automatically associated with the Kansas City Chiefs. They had, it had nothing to do with us. And sometimes the same thing happens inside the church. We believe that we've experienced worship just because we attended a service. And yes, this is a worship service, but God does not require and desire for us to just attend. He doesn't desire that we're just coming here and spectate. Oh, I want to go to Desi Church. I heard it's like a club. They play Ursher in there. I'll go watch for a little bit. Church isn't something that we come into to sit and spectate. It's not something that we come in and it's not, this isn't a movie. We don't need critics going out going, oh, he said this and he said this and he said this and they do this and they play the wrong songs and I don't like that song. It's not something that we come and we spectate and we watch. It's not designed for that. This is a place of communion where we come into and we enter into somewhere that's sacred and holy to give honor and praise to our creator. It's not designed for you to sit there and watch. Amen. Anthem that we sing, that we profess, and we daily live out. Because you know what? We'll stand and we'll honor the American flag. And we'll remove our hats and we'll sing the national anthem and we'll be proud. Because we respect, honor, and worship that. Because that's what we're taught to do, right? It's the American way. And we should do that. I am not saying that. We absolutely 100% should do that. But you know what? We don't feel awkward, and we don't feel ashamed, and we don't feel uncomfortable when we stand for the Pledge of Allegiance or we sing the national anthem, right? Do we? No, it's natural to us. We do it because we're supposed to. We do it because we're paying tribute, because we understand the sacrifice that was made for our freedom, and we want to represent that, the ones who've gone before it and made a way so that we can express our freedom. And, you know, we'll stand up and we'll worship that. And we don't worry about what anyone else will think because we understand the significance of it and the importance of it. And we don't worry about what anyone else will think whenever the bombers fly over Arrowhead Stadium, baby, and 75,000 fans go crazy, and we're singing chants, and we're worshiping in the air, and we're screaming, and we're going crazy because it's a community of, of fans. We don't feel awkward in those moments, but we'll stand reserved when we come into a place created to glorify and praise the very one who created us, who breathed breath into your lungs and gave his very life for. And that's awkward and uncomfortable, and we get to choose whether we like it or not? Do we truly understand the significance and sacrifice that was made because Christ loved us so much? Do we? Do we truly understand the magnitude of his love and how worthy he really is 
And all he longs and desires for is us to worship him and put nothing else above him. Because worship is our expression and our response to what we value the most. What do you value the most, church? Worship is recognizing, appreciating, and expressing God's greatness in everything that we do. Worship team, you guys can come on. And I've seen so many people leave a church, and I've heard so many people say, well, I just didn't get anything out of the service. It's just not for me. I didn't like this or this or this or this. If you're, listen, I want you to hear this. If you're attending church to, to just receive something out of it, then your heart's in the wrong spot. Your heart's in the wrong spot. Now listen, you should be receiving from your church. You should be getting filled up. You better be receiving biblical truth, and you better leave with conviction. If not, then we're not doing what God entitled and and called us to do. But if you're seeking just to receive, then I would dare say to those people who say those very things about not getting, what did you give God? What did you give God? This is a place where we come in to express our worship, to give him praise. So if you're just here attending, then your heart's in the wrong spot, church. And it's not just coming inside this, these walls. It's not just coming in here to receive or coming in here to be able to give praise. We're to continually give God our truest worship in everything that we do because worship is what we give back to God because of what he's given us. And how you worship is the most defining thing about your life. It's the most defining thing about your life. Because the way that we live our life is a direct reflection of what's in here. And it starts right here. It starts in our heart. Giglio says this, you only have one life. And you only have one life of worship. You have one brief opportunity in time to declare your allegiance, to unleash your affection, and to exalt someone or something above all else. So what are you going to choose? Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Are you thankful this morning, church? Let us be thankful and let us so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe because our God is an all-consuming fire. And the more air that a fan or the more flame that is poured onto a the more air that is poured onto a flame, the more it increases, right? And so when we pour out our praise to our Father, when we praise God for who he is and for what he's done, and when we bring our true 100% worship from our heart, we actually breathe breath back into God. Amen? And when we breathe breath back into God, he fans the flame of our faith. And he's an all-consuming fire. He longs for us to worship him. He gives us the freedom and the opportunity to choose to do so. We no longer have to have a priest go before us and offer a sacrifice like they did in the Old Testament. We don't have to go to the temple. We don't have to sacrifice anything. Christ came to redefine our worship, right? There's a reason that the, that, that, that the temple curtain was torn because Jesus brought a new kingdom and a new culture of worship. 
He broke down the chasm that separated us from God, uh, that, that overcoming death in the grave and uniting us with our Father. On the day of the crucifixion, that veil was torn. The veil that separated us from our Heavenly Father, that veil was torn because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, uniting us in one communion with our Father, that we no longer had to be separated from God because Jesus paid it all so that we could come together and know our God and be able to come together and worship Him freely because we are the temple of God. We don't have to go to a certain place to be able to worship Him. He gives us that desire within our heart and He created us to do those. More importantly, worship became a personal encounter between our spirit and the spirit of God in close communion. Amen? So the way that we worship was forever changed. And let me ask you this, church. If you knew Christ was coming back, because he is coming back, amen? Amen? Amen. If you knew he was coming back right after this service, would it change the way you worship? If you knew the moment this song was over that Jesus was coming back for us all, would it change your worship? Would the opinions of somebody else matter? Would your feelings matter? Would your emotions matter? Would anything else matter other than the fact of glorifying the Father? Because he gives you the freedom to do so. But Philippians said that God exalted him and gave him the highest place above honor. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow on heaven and on the earth and under the earth at the glory of God the Father. Because here's the deal. He gives you the freedom to be able to do so. But there's coming a day, church where you're not going to have the opportunity, every knee will submit and every head will bow to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen? He is worthy of it all. So are you thankful for what he's done? Are you grateful for his love and sacrifice? Do you need the mercy and the grace that he provides? Are you standing on the promise that he made and the hope found in his name this morning? He's worthy of our praise, church. Are you ready to worship him? Shout to the Lord! For all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It's he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name forever. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues for all generations, church. He's worthy of our praise, so let's show him that he is. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.